Carpet Design also offers a large selection of discounted in-stock flooring. Free estimates, 643 Riverside Street, Carpet Design. At Prime Rate Motors, they recently had a customer stop in that didn't need to buy a car. She needed to sell a car. The Prime Rate Motor team went to work assessing the value of her car. Soon they met with her, determined what she thought she wanted for her car. Prime Rate went over the process of determining its value, and she was overjoyed at the final outcome. She left with a check, but she was thinking seriously about a car she'd been eyeballing out on the lot. Problem solved here at Prime Rate Motors and Super Trailer Store, 2305 Coffeen Avenue in Sheridan. Was one of your New Year's resolutions to take better care of your car? It all starts with maintenance, and Midas Tire and Auto's here to help you start the new year off right. Midas has money-saving offers on what it takes to keep your vehicle running smoothly. From oil changes to fluid changes and any needed repairs, make your car last longer by following the maintenance schedule in your owner's manual. Midas size your vehicle now and save an extra 15% till the end of the month. Midas Tire and Auto in Sheridan. What if you had more time to manage your business operations, sell your products, or take a vacation? What if you had someone to pay your bills, handle your payroll, or watch your bottom line? Let the accounting professionals at Harker Mellinger add free time to your schedule by providing a cost-effective bookkeeping service, as well as adding useful management reports for your business. Call or visit Harker Mellinger at 1811 South Sheridan Avenue in Sheridan. And remember, the initial consultation is always free. It's Sheridan Wild Winter Rodeo Week. Come on, Sheridan, let's get ready to catch all the exciting action of Ski Joy and this coming Saturday at the fairgrounds. The snow's great, the weather's great, and best of all, Ski Joy at the fairgrounds is free. That's right, free admission. Bring the family and all your friends and neighbors to catch the exciting action of horse pulling skier. Now, if you can't make the event, you can watch all the live action on SheridanMedia.com as we bring you a live video web stream. Our live video web stream is sponsored in part by ERA, Carroll Realty, Delta Roofing, 307 Pro Foam, JP Handyman, Black Hills Orthopedic and Spine Center, EcoBlast to the Bighorns. Catch all the exciting action of ski drawing in person or watch it on SheridanMedia.com this Saturday beginning around 9 a.m. to all your friends around the world. It's Sheridan Wild Winter Rodeo Week. And special thanks to Sheridan Travel and Tourism and the Sheridan Wild Rodeo Board. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Hawks Junior Hockey Club is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whiting. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I am snowed in once again over here in Buffalo, but that's okay. The show will go on. Uh, Mental health. It's been in the news a lot lately. And Wyoming lawmakers are debating how to pay for the programs that will help to resolve some of our mental health issues here in the state. 
Although they respond to calls of people in mental health crisis, our law enforcement officers are not therapists. They must make do with the training that they have been given to help diffuse situations to the best of their ability. And what is this training? To answer that and more, I am joined this morning by the chief of the Sheridan Police Department, Travis Koltiska, and Captain Tom Ringley. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, boys. Now, uh, uh, Chief, how's the force doing with all the bad weather? Well, it actually it wasn't terrible yesterday. I was looking back through cases. Um, it wasn't pleasant to work in it, but uh, we didn't. People did a pretty good job, and when, you know, it's been our experience when this kind of storm comes in, people use a little more caution when that snow's blowing sideways. They drive a little slower. They give themselves a little more reaction time. So, we had a few accidents. Um, but it wasn't anything major, uh, just just poor conditions. That's that's for certain. Just everybody having to to, to try and drive in this weather. Uh, Captain, has anyone made comment to you regarding the new uh, vehicles as of yet? Are they responding better? Or are they liking them more than the old patrol cars? Well, to answer that in two parts, obviously, of course, the officers love them, um, as, as do the Chief Coltiska. And, and I, and uh, once again, we'd like to, you know, to thank the city administration and government for all the support we get budget, budget-wise on that. But we've also received a huge amount of support um, from the public. We we know this from uh, social media. We we posted a picture of a, one of the new Durangos uh, as soon as we got them because, like like a kid with a new car, we have to show everybody. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah. It, been over it's been overwhelming um to be positive and we haven't had any any negative um any negative comments well that's fantastic and it's good to hear uh that they're doing uh doing what they were intended to do and get around in this kind of weather now yeah well, the issue of mental oh go ahead sir yes ironically we have three more in transit now but the weather held them up um <laughs> so they, they three more in the near future Oh, that's fantastic to hear. That's switching gears on us. You know, mental health, uh, something that we've always dealt with. Uh, we're just trying to improve on how we can deal with those issues. First of all, why does the Sheridan Police Department respond to these reports of people possibly experiencing a mental health crisis i mean our patrol officers are not mental health experts no they're not but we do train ourselves to a to a point where and we have we have training provided for officers where we are the the ones that are able to provide that initial safety that's necessary to assess the situation and and to get the resources that are necessary to properly address some sort of mental health crisis it's all about it's the first priority of any law enforcement call, and especially when it comes to mental health calls, are the, the safety of everyone involved, the safety of the person experiencing the mental health, mental distress, the safety of the public, the safety of the officers. It's that's all that's important, and we do have that level of training. We can provide that. Um, you know, we're often the only resource that's available. It happens at two or three a.m. We could be the only um, responders that are out at that hour. Um, mental health workers and themselves there's no you know other than 
a medical facility, there may not be any other resource available at that hour and where the where who they call. It's uh, it's nine one one in that, and we're the ones that are going to be answering that. Absolutely. Now, how do we define a mental health call? Uh, you know, I would think that just about anybody um, in some sort of crisis is in a mental health crisis on top of that. But how do we define an actual mental health call? You know, it, it's, it's kind of difficult because they're wide ranging and it could be somebody who maybe suffers from a, a previously diagnosed mental illness, you know, whether it's schizophrenia or bipolar or multiple personalities, you know, where there it's a diagnosed illness from, from a, um, a psychologist or psychiatrist um, down to somebody's just um, having a, a really, really bad day. And, and then sometimes you combine that with substance abuse. You combine the, the having a, a, you know, have, being under mental distress, whether it's for whatever reason, whatever stressors that are out there that are putting that on that person, Combine that with self-medication is what we often call it, you know, um, grabbing the bottle and, and consuming alcohol or consuming controlled substance. And that with that self-medication, that can be part of mental illness. Anything that's, that a person is, is struggling to make good choices and rational decisions that are going to affect their, their safety or that of others, you know, that can kind of be a general classification of a mental health call. And what different types of calls can make up that definition? Um, when when somebody calls, is there something uh, that our dispatcher tells our patrol officer, hey, this is a X type of mental health call? Um, th- there are four broad categories um, that, that we call mental health calls. Um, the first and most common is a request from a third party for a welfare check on, on a person they're concerned about. Um, often the, the calls are um, relate that the reporting party hasn't seen a person for a period of time or males accumulating on the doorstep or they're, they're worried about them. Um, the, the second type of those would be a mental subject. And um, we often have... Um, Sometimes we, we 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 think about labeling a call as a mental subject, but we have to fit it within our uh, categories. And it just means that someone else is called in suspecting a person a person may be in crisis. Um, the third, um, the the, the, sec- the third and fourth are a bit more serious. Because um, often people having a mental health um, episodes and capable of caring for themselves and making decisions to care for themselves. But third is the suicidal subject, and that's uh, a report of the, where a person has concern that someone else is suicidal. Um, some of those actually come in on the um, on a suicide hot, report from the suicide hotline, which maybe we can touch on um, at, at the end of the show, because there's been some progress within the state on those. And then the last is the most serious, and that's the suicide attempts, where um, a person taking an overt action towards self-harm. Always so tough uh, to respond to those types of situations. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those situations where our officers have to be cognizant of the safety situation, but at the same time, 
show empathy and compassion. And I'm not saying our officers are incapable of that. What I am saying is having to show that and yet at the same time be very aware and keep their head on a swivel just in case anything does happen. Now, when we look at these types of calls, what is the ideal resolution of a mental health call? And how would that differ from a regular call? So in response to a mental health crisis as opposed to uh, maybe somebody shoplifting or something like that? Um, they're really the same. The, the ideal conclusion to any uh, call for police services is a, a safe conclusion and, and resolution. Um, so it, it may be that we can, um, if we go to a call uh, to a person in need, um, that we get them either take them to uh, the appropriate resource or at least refer them to the appropriate resource, or we determine that they're, yes, they, they are um, in need, but they're able to apply self, self-care, and they have the resources that they need um, to take care of themselves. Much like a shoplifter, um, we've made the, um, the customer, which would be the store, safe, feel safe. There's no longer a threat to their property. Um, that, that the goal of all police calls is that, safe, satisfying conclusion and, and and resolution, sometimes jail or taking a person before judges a resolution, and sometimes um, providing a person resources is a resolution. And that would be where Title 25 comes in. Uh, it's, it's also been in the media uh, a little bit lately. Now, for those who may not know, what exactly is... Title 25. Title 25 is based off the uh, Wyoming statutes under the, the title, under Title 25, what they call, you know, you, we have our different um, statutory titles. Title 25 is essentially a, an emergency detention authorization of law enforcement or um, other officials. If there is a, someone who is in crisis who has exhibited um, a definite um uh, there's reasonable cause to believe they've exhibited either homicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation. Um, so it, it allows law enforcement or medical professionals to place a, an individual in, in, a de- in detention up to 72 hours um, or until a court hearing regarding the actions that have, have gone on. So, for instance, if we get a, a, a call to one of those suicide attempts, and, a, and an individual has made an overt act where we feel that they are, there's a danger that they will commit suicide should they not be placed in custody, but they haven't committed a crime. Um, we take them to the hospital for an evaluation, and they are detained up to 72 hours at the hospital. So three days uh, in, in some – what does that detention look like, sir? Is that uh... – like a hospital bed in there? Is it a special wing? There, there are a couple rooms currently at, at our hospital that are specifically set up to, um, they're a little more sterile in nature than a traditional hospital room. There's, there are not things in there that would allow an individual to grab, grab something that they could do self-harm with. So if you, I don't want to, I don't want to call them a rubber room, but that's kind of a person's trying to picture that in their head is they're very sterile and no, not, you know, so that so that not uh, provide an opportunity for somebody to harm themselves in there. 
Um, they're monitored. They're right across from one of the nurses' stations. They're monitored, and, and on occasion, um, you know, law enforcement's called to assist with the administration of medications or during evaluations with individuals who are placed in Title 25 up there. And again, that's up to 72 hours until seen by a judge. And then there's a there's a hearing that it is involved in to make a determination if that individual needs extended care and needs to be re, needs to remain in detention maybe uh, seek care at, at a facility elsewhere, whether it's a state hospital in Evanston or uh, WBI in Casper or just another facility that can provide long-term psychiatric care. But that's all done at the judge's, at the judge's order through a hearing. Essentially, the three days is to evaluate, and I don't want to underplay this at all, but to calm the individual from the point of crisis it, yeah it, it can be um in most cases that is the case i'd say in the vast majority of cases that is the case but yes there are situations where that that care needs to be extended to the long term for that individual yeah uh, but i say the vast majority are just that that i guess i'd call it a crisis stabilization time um yeah rather it's because they have um, self-medicated and they need to, to come off whatever they've chosen to use to self-medicate, that allows them, plus it allows them, there's medical um, options there as well, should they have adverse physiological effects to detoxification or stuff like that. So that's, that's, the, that's the point of that 72 hours as well. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with our Sheridan Police Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media as part of their community commitment. The Sheridan Hawks Junior Hockey Club is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. There's lots of fish under that ice just waiting for you, and they can be worth some cash. Get your rods and reels ready for the third annual Rotary Club Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Desmet Saturday, February 25th. You'll have a chance to win the $25,000 grand prize and prizes in four categories. $1,000 for the largest fish, $300 for second place, $200 for third, and $250 tag fish. Tickets available during Derby Day at the lake, also at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports in Sheridan, or online at SheridanRotary.org. And oh, by the way, helicopter rides will be available as well, weather permitting. Sheridan's Rotary Ice Fishing Derby at Lake DeSmet, Saturday, February 25th, brought to you by Tegler & Associates, Sheridan Media, Interior Images, Century 21 BHJ Realty, Precision Excavation, Aaron Waddell, DYT Creative Marketing Solutions, Dawson Megan Power Sales & Associates of Century 21 BHJ Realty, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, Hammer Chevrolet, Elevate Financial, and Wyoming Aviation Association. 
It's time for the annual Albert J. Goodwater FFA Alumni Frosted Barn Bash Fundraiser Saturday, February 25th at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds Exhibit Hall. The night includes dinner, online auction results, a live auction, and music by Rick Geisler and the Band of Outlaws. Proceeds fund local FFA scholarships. This year's coverage sponsored by True Build Builders, Heartland Kubota, ERA Carroll Realty, First Federal Bank and Trust, Range, and Blacktooth Large Animal Services. If there was ever a time to enjoy the beautiful sunsets and nighttime stars of country living, it's now. And if ever there was a lender to help you get closer to what matters, it's Rural First. Our rural home financing and construction experience can put you on the front porch of your dreams. Visit RuralFirst.com. NMLS IDs 407249-579135 and 628123. Equal housing lender loan subject to eligibility and approval. Welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. Snowed in this morning over in Buffalo, Wyoming. And this morning I'm speaking with Chief Travis Koltiska and Captain Tom Ringley of the Sheridan Police Department on issues related to mental health calls and responses by our own Sheridan Police Department. Now, before the break, we spoke on Title 25 calls what those are, and how the Sheridan Police Department handles those types of sensitive calls. Now, Captain, how many people did the Sheridan Police Department place in a Title 25 hold in 2022? Um, in 2022, we placed 52 people um, on um, involuntary medical assessments, um, which is roughly... 7% of all of our of the 752 calls for service we had concerning uh, possible mental health calls. And this number is actually consistent with 2021. It was 6% of the um, 937 calls. So <clears throat> with that statement, the, the good news is um, our calls for service have dropped from 937 to 762, which is fantastic. So while it was Less calls for service, less Title 25. That percentage is just about the same, 7% versus 6%. Now, it's these are – go ahead, please. Um, I would like to stress uh, a Title 25 is a last resort um, because we are basically um, taking someone somewhere involuntarily um, against their will. People can often sometimes – uh, do self-refer themselves to the hospital. Um, but these, these are instances where we take people. And that could mean physical altercations in the worst-case scenario. Um, what, how many of those did the Sheridan Police Department have to use physical force in during 2022? Um, of the 52 uh Title 25 holds we, we placed on people. We only had uh, to use empty, hand, soft, empty-handed force uh, one time in, in one of those calls, um, which, which oh, we're, we're, we're very happy with. We were actually happy with um, that. That's 98% of the time we, we can we talk people and, and convince people um, that uh, our, our plan for them is the, the best course of action for them. 
that's um, it was 92 percent in 2021, which we I remember the, this conversation we had with it, the exact same show last year, um, which we we're happy with. So we, we definitely um, trending towards zero, which is our goal. But sometimes we we do have to guide people from point A to point B um, to, to get them the help that they need. And I know officers are trained in multiple techniques of conflict resolution. Um, these calls can be very sensitive. Uh, in many cases, we don't know or officers don't know what is going on within the mind of an individual. What kind of training do our officers receive to assist these people in this type of crisis? So there are uh, three essential training courses that, uh, that the Sheridan Police Department subscribes to. And the first one is mental health first aid. And that is uh, a course that essentially teaches you how to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental illness and substance and use disorders. It's an eight-hour course that um, is kind of an overview of some of the, the most common situations that, that law enforcement will encounter. And uh, there, is, there are several modules of mental health first aid. And there is one specific to law enforcement that we subscribe to. The second one is called ASSIST, and it's Applied Suicide uh, Intervention and Strategies. Um, it is a two-day training program, um, and it's not geared specifically to law enforcement, but it provides a lot of the same tools that, that, that law enforcement can use. It basically teaches participants the recognition and, and how to um, – provide assistance to those that are suffering from suicidal ideation. And it's, it's directly applied to, to suicide intervention, whereas mental health first aid is more encompassing. Um, the one that we really stress and that, um, uh, is our crisis intervention training, otherwise known as CIT. This is a 40-hour course, and it's a partnership with community professionals in the, in the mental health industry. It's instructed by local um, um, doctors and other care providers in our community. And it really focuses on community partnership and law enforcement working together to recognize, interact, and provide the resources and, and, and that are necessary to provide um, proper care to individuals that are suffering from mental illness. It is a, um, a pretty well-known course. The state of Wyoming and law enforcement across the state is very um, big on CIT, there's grant funding out there for officers to attend it, and it's something that's very important to our department. Now, I, I know that when it comes to the diagnosis of a mental illness, we could have repeat incidences. And, and sometimes I think, you know, the officers who, who have received this type of training may get to know these individuals a little bit better than most. Uh, do we see many, I, I, I hate to call them repeat offenders. I don't really feel like that's the proper term, but we, do we end up seeing kind of the same folks over and over? Um, we, we do. Uh, 50, in 2022, 54% of patients placed under Title 25 had future contacts with us, either as an offender in a criminal matter or as a mental subject. Um, that's up a little bit from 46% in 2022. Um, the, those that had repeated contract, contacts averaged 3.25 per 
future contact with us. But let's remember, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oftentimes, um, we are helping them again. Um, and we would much rather help someone a, a thousand times than to have them call themselves harm themselves or someone else once. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me, Floyd. 20% of the future contacts were within a week of first contact. Um, 30% were within uh, one to four weeks. And 50% 50 were greater than a month between contacts. But, you know, we're, we're more than happy to contact anyone as many times as it takes to help them. Absolutely. Uh, have you... Uh heard of situations where an officer will say, hey, I know this person. I'm going to step in here and I'm going to help them. Not, not only that, and that, that does happen um, often. And somebody has built, an officer has been able to build a good rapport with someone. Um, we've actually had uh, individuals calling for help that have specifically requested somebody trained in CIT because they've had that positive yeah. interaction as well with brain. Um, and that's why, you know, the eventual goal get all of our supervisors CIT trained and at least 70, 65 to 70% uh, trained. So it's, uh, yeah, it's extremely important. And yeah, that, that happens they, where there's specific requests for certain officers or officers say, I am familiar and have a good rapport and, and I'll, I'll make the contact. Chief, Captain, Thank you both so much for coming on the show this morning and talking about this issue. It is something that affects all of us. Uh, mental health is so important, and I think the more we learn, the more we're realizing how important that is. So I want to I want to thank you for coming on and speaking on this issue. Uh, you and your team stay safe out there in all of this weather. All right, thanks, Floyd. This is All right, when we return, we're going to speak with the mayor of Buffalo, Shane Schrader. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sure. and trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media as part of their community commitment. The Sheridan Hawks Junior Hockey Club is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. The owners and staff at Kane's Funeral Home would like to thank the families of Sheridan and Johnson Counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. Call 673-5837 or visit them online at canefuneral.com. Mandy Koltiska from Century 21 BHJ Realty brings you this pet of the week from the dog and cat shelter. Beetle is a very well-behaved dog. He's the first graduate of the new Better Canine Training Program sponsored by the Irwin Wilson Foundation. 
If Beetle sounds like your guy, come and meet him today. Herbie is a compact kitty with all the features you and your family could ever want. This little love bug has grown out of fear into a top-notch feline. Come and meet Herbie today. Face it, you don't want to do your own plumbing and heating work or repair. You need a professional, and that is exactly what you will get if you work with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. Being fully licensed, bonded, and insured, you can rest assured that they will take care of your repairs and maintenance in the very best way possible. Call Wrap Plumbing and Heating at 429-1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. We're heating things up this month at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Hi, Kurt Smith here. Today through Friday, February 25th, we're giving away $200 in gift cards each day. A total of $2,000 in gift cards this month. So come in and register today. In fact, you can come in and register every day. No purchase necessary. You can't win if you don't sign up. We're giving away $2,000 in gift cards at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Sign up today at 303 Broadway. Open seven days a week. Moss Holder's 18,000 square foot showroom is packed with furniture. So this President's Day weekend, save on every single purchase made at Moss Holder's. For just four days, receive discounts on every sofa and sectional, every bedroom set and mattress, every dining set, and every accessory. No matter what room in your home you're looking to update, Moss Holder's has in-stock inventory to accommodate your needs. If you can't find the perfect piece in stock, Moss Holder's has discounts on every single order as well. Moss Holder's President's Day sale this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Moss Holder's, furniture's our passion. It's time for the annual Albert J. Goodwater FFA Alumni Frosted Barn Bash Fundraiser Saturday, February 25th at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds Exhibit Hall. Their silent auction is online again this year, Tuesday, February 21st through Saturday evening at 8. Proceeds go to the local FFA. This coverage is being generously sponsored by True Built Builders, Heartland Kubota, ERA Carroll Realty, First Federal Bank and Trust, Range, and Blacktooth Large Animal Services. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by the mayor of Buffalo, Mr. Shane Schrader. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. How are you, Floyd? I'm doing good, sir. Staying warm in uh, all this weather. How about you? We're having a heat wave. It's eight degrees here in Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's really sweeping through. Uh, now, <clears throat> with all that snow, it's got to go somewhere. It's got to be moved by somebody. How is the snow removal effort going in Buffalo right now? Uh, it's, you know, our team does a really great job, but it's just, it's a game of playing keep up. And so uh, the boys down at Public Works and the, and the lady are are kind of running and chasing the clock a little bit, but they're doing an excellent job. And, you know, it takes takes days to blow in, so it takes days to haul it out as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Where are Where is that snow taken, sir? Is there, like, a specific dump point that the city has that they like to uh, get rid of it at? Oh, there's several different places around town. You know, there's uh, Brzezinski, uh, down by Brzezinski Park, um, 
out by the cemetery. The city has some lots out there. The city has some lots at the north and the Adams. So depending on which side of town uh, gets hauled to that area so it's more efficient and you can get more snow hauled quicker than filling a truckload and hauling it across town and coming back. It's just right there, handy and convenient. You know, when I was a little kid, uh, I used to uh, run up and down on the hill that my father would make out at uh, his place. We always called it the Mount Everest, and uh, he would dig tunnels and all kinds of fun stuff for us in that. Uh, I imagine they've been working pretty late and uh, pretty early, depending on how you view it. Have uh, they been putting the hours in? Yeah. Um, they've they've really been putting in the hours. And then once you get the snow hauled off and the sun comes out for a couple of days and it turns everything into a little block of ice, then then the crew has to go out and cut ice so that there's proper drainage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I've got the same issue happening in the yard. I, you know, I, I watch them, and I'm like, geez, that's got to be bone-jarring trying to cut that ice with the blades. <laughs> oh, they have to be absolutely. by the time they're done at the end of the day. Now, but, I really want to extend. Oh, go ahead, sir. Oh, I was going to say, you know, when we were having ski-joring down here, we needed the snow, and now we don't have ski-joring, and we have the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's no fun when it shows up late to the party. Uh, the, the kids are loving it, though, the snow piles. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, it sounds like school over there has been starting pretty much on time, um, but I do know that there was a bit of a late start, so uh, I imagine the kids are enjoying yeah. that as well. Yeah, today there was a couple-hour late start, um, and it was just trying to get some of the, you know, the – the country kids into town and making sure that everybody's safe. And I applaud the school for making sure that the kids are safe versus getting the proper, you know, the sticking to a strict time code. And I applaud them for making yeah. sure that children's safety is the first priority. I'm going to switch gears on you, sir, because recently you had second reading of an ordinance pertaining to wildlife right here in the city limits. Can you explain why this ordinance was needed. Yeah, so it's the uh, feeding of of game birds, and we were having such large flocks of turkeys, uh, little congregations of them, that they were becoming to be a nuisance, uh, slowing down traffic, you know, um, defecating all over town, getting in people's yards, you know, people's pets eat it, you know. Uh, nationwide, you kind of see the avian flu bug floating around. And so we just had to take some steps to make sure that people aren't feeding the turkeys so that they gather and congregate in one spot. You know, they're they're a natural wild bird, and they need to be out in the natural and the wild, fending for themselves. Absolutely. I would agree 110% with that one. Um, because I myself, <coughs> excuse me, have had to deal with these turkeys on a few different occasions, um, I get a flock right here in the yard that comes through. I'm not sure what attracts them, but they like to hang out in the yard for a little bit. And my dog just absolutely hates them, so we can't let her out uh, when the turkeys are outside. 
because uh, she'll she'll chase them all down. So it, I, I can testify that it is a problem because these aren't small flocks either. These are pretty good size flocks of turkeys, uh, up fifteen to, to probably thirty. Uh, some of them, I think, are even larger. That are around town, um, you know, the ones that kind of run around on Adams Street. That's probably, you know, in that fifteen to thirty range. But I've seen other ones that are probably in the 40 to 50 block range in other parts wow. of town. So, you know, they're just, it, it, you know, they make me laugh, Lloyd. And, you know, me, I kind of have a sense of humor. I see the turkeys running around, and then I watch Jurassic Park, and I'm like, they're just little dinosaurs. That's all they are. <laughs> there's little velocities running around. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, they make a mess like they are. Uh, over oh. there at Crazy Woman Square, they can really cause a mess on that corner. Oh, exactly. You know, and then we got the seven ducks downtown that I'm kind of protective of my little ducks down on the creek, but I hope they, you know. <laughs> so we got now some, we have got little wild critters running around Buffalo. Have people brought arguments against this ordinance to you? Have you heard anyone who doesn't want this to go through? I know that there was no arguments at city council. No comments on the second reading. But are people talking to you behind the scenes? Oh, I've gotten cornered by a couple of people, um, you know, at my other office in town. And, yeah, she's pretty passionate about the turkeys. But, you know, it's again, we're not telling them that they can't be in town. We're just saying you can't feed them in town. That's that's all it's saying. Yeah, I said, you know. A couple of the ladies are pretty passionate about it. Passionate's a good word. <laughs> they like seeing their turkeys I, in the yard, right? Yeah, I don't know if I can use those specific words on the air that were used. <laughs> <laughs> what they yell at you? <laughs> yeah. Now, so this will have one more reading, and then it'll go in. It, will it go into effect right after third reading, or when will this? Uh, when will this go on the books? I think it goes into effect as soon as I sign it. I know uh, the the court system was looking at the the bond schedules and all that sort of stuff for it already as well. So, so and it'll be there. <laughs> now, I, I I don't even have to ask you the reasons for their objections. Um, I, I understand. You know, a lot of people like wild birds in the yard. I have a couple bird feeders as well, but those are up and off the ground. This is a, a different matter. We don't want people to think that we don't want birds around here. Matter of fact, I would say that that's probably one big reason why we have a an ordinance here in Buffalo asking people to keep their house cats inside uh, mm-hmm. because it drives away the, the songbirds in your gardens. Now, switching gears on you once again, sir, 1% applications are due very soon. When is that, sir? They are due by 5 p.m. on the 28th, and they need to be either into the city clerk or the courthouse, depending on whether you're filing through the county or the city. Um, so that application is available online. Um, I do believe you folks at Shared and Media even have a link that they can go to on the story that one of your uh, coworkers did on it. And it's yeah, it's due on the twenty eighth by five p.m. 
Now, in previous years, have you seen the need for this 1% money grow within the community? Are you seeing more applications each year as mayor, or do they say stay pretty consistent? Um, for the vast majority of it, they stay consistent. You know, it's kind of some of the same groups. We don't see too many new organizations come in. Every once in a while, there's one. Um, but, you know, with the last couple of years, we have seen some increase in the dollar amounts that they've asked for. Yeah. Do you think that that's something that is just the growing trend itself due to inflation, cost of fuel, things like that? Or do you think COVID played a big part in that? I think it's both, um, Floyd. I think, you know, there was less money coming in during, you know, the the heavy COVID years, and just the cost of everything has gone up, uh, you know. That's just the nature yeah. of the beast is the costs are always going to go up. I don't foresee costs going down anytime soon on a lot of things. Some some costs are going to fluctuate, but, you know, most of the time when something, unfortunately, when prices go up, very seldom do they come back down. So we're waiting on that downward trend. <laughs> yes. And, you know, over the last, uh, you know, my my first years in office, I think we have, you know, cut the amount of 1% funds that were going into it, you know, that the, that the city was contributing. And, you know, usually historically, um, the city and county typically are pretty close to each other in how much that we put in. Okay. And, and now has the county's amount decreased as well or is this just specifically the city that has um, decreased I, can that? I, I can only speak for the city i don't know the past history on the county i mean that'd be a question for the commissioners um but i know the city you know we've usually um had to reduce it you know due to budget and what money we had available so and like i said usually the city and county were pretty close to each other and how much the contributions were into the one percent funds. Now, I, you've been doing this for a few years now. It's a hard process to to try and allocate those funds. Um, the one percent committee has done, in my opinion, a bang up job, uh, and in presenting that information to the council. But essentially, for for those who may not know, this is a council decision. The 1% committee is literally just that. All they do is kind of listen to the presentations and present the best, uh, in their opinion, the, the most viable organizations to the council, correct? Correct. So as, as advisors, they, they interview um, the applicants, and then they – recommend to the council and you're correct it's the council's final approval on how those dollars get allocated now sir since you've been through this process so many times i've heard a lot of individuals uh not so much in buffalo but over in sheridan they have a program that's extremely similar i think almost identical and they want this removed i would ask uh, how you feel about this extra tax 
Um, going forward, uh, have you heard a lot of individuals talk about how they don't want to pay this, this extra tax? Or does this get a lot of support? Um, you know, I think it's, I've, I think it goes both ways depending on which side of the the money you're you're talking for those groups that in organizations that get the money um, they some of them truly truly need it that's the way that their organization is going to keep going and all these organizations are very beneficial to to the community um, and then you know there are those on the other side that who doesn't want to pay less in taxes <laughs> I mean that's yeah that's a yeah. good thing, but you know, I I think it's a I think it's a valuable um, program, for lack of a better term, that that helps benefit the community as a whole, um, and the monies, you know, get get distributed, you know, fairly. I do believe. Now uh, I'm running out of time with you, sir. I've only got about two two and a half minutes left, but. Uh, we are getting ready to go down into the budget session. Um, when will you begin to look through your budgets? Um, you know, some of them are coming in already. Um, we're starting to see some preliminary thought processes coming through. And so, um, you know, Madam Clerk will will get a schedule put together for the council um, on meeting dates, and we will get that set. You know, usually it's you know, March, April, into May, because it has to be finalized by June. So it is, I mean, we're staring down that that pipe real hard. So it'll be coming yeah. quickly. More quickly than we probably now, would like to have it. <laughs> uh, just the, the last comment, sir, with Mike Madden on your council, I would say that Buffalo has an advantage over many other cities when it comes to the budget. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. I I would and you know um both of both of the new council persons you know councilwoman Camino and and Mike Madden and then you know you have council councilman Camino who's a finance person so I think you know the the budget here gets looked at pretty strongly um by a lot of financial people yeah a lot of individuals to really know this entire process. Uh, sir, I want to say thank you for calling in this morning. I greatly appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we might see you bouncing around town. Yes, yeah, stay warm. You as well. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't feed the turkeys. <laughs> You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Hawks Junior Hockey Club is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. 
I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. February is all about love, and you are going to love this deal. When you buy a new used car from Sheridan Honda, you'll get a $100 gift card to Frackleton's. Oh, wow. Long gone are chocolates and flowers. Now it's a new car and fancy dinner. <laughs> That's right. Sheridan Honda has lots of cars that are single and ready to mingle. Just stop in or shop online and keep an eye out for our new arrivals on the front page of this week's Country Bounty. Make this Valentine's Day one to remember with Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. The app is now the only place you can earn My McDonald's reward points on every McDelivery order. Plus, you can get those free McDonald's rewards you earn delivered, too. Just order, relax, and enjoy. McDonald's will bring your faves to you. Just go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving. Download it now. McDonald's, Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. The Advocacy and Resource Center's 6th Annual Love Shouldn't Hurt fundraiser is February 17th. The doors at the Ramada open at 6 p.m. Come be entertained by the fun piano's dueling pianos and finish the evening with sidetrack. Tickets are available at the Center, 136 Coffeen, or at the door. $60 a ticket or $100 for two. For more information, call 672-7471 or check out our Facebook page. There's lots of fish under that ice just waiting for you, and they can be worth some cash. Get your rods and reels ready for the third annual Rotary Club Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Desmet Saturday, February 25th. You'll have a chance to win the $25,000 grand prize and prizes in four categories. $1,000 for the largest fish, $300 for second place, $200 for third, and $250 tagged fish. Tickets available during Derby Day at the lake, also at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports in Sheridan, or online at SheridanRotary.org. And oh, by the way, helicopter rides will be available as well, weather permitting. Sheridan's Rotary Ice Fishing Derby at Lake DeSmet, Saturday, February 25th, brought to you by Tegler & Associates, Sheridan Media, Interior Images, Century 21 BHJ Realty, Precision Excavation, Aaron Waddell, DYT Creative Marketing Solutions, Dawson Megan Power Sales & Associates of Century 21 BHJ Realty, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, Hammer Chevrolet, Elevate Financial, and Wyoming Aviation Association. KROE. Sheridan, broadcasting from the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio. K-R-O-E.